Are you in need of a passport in a hurry? Look no further. Global Passport Express is here to help. With our efficient and reliable services, we can process your passport in as quick as seven days. That's right, just seven days. And that's not all. We specialize in visas for many countries, including popular destinations like China, India, and so much more. Whether you're planning a family vacation, a business trip, or your next mission trip, Global Passport Express is your one-stop solution for all your passport and visa needs. So why wait? Reach out to us today at 210-375-7525 to speak with one of our friendly and knowledgeable representatives. They will guide you through the process and answer any questions you may have. You can also visit our website at www.globalpassportexpress.com. For more information and to start your application online, it's quick, easy, and convenient. Mention this ad and receive 10% off any of our services. Don't let time constraints hold you back from your travel dreams. Trust Global Passport Express to deliver your passport fast, hassle-free, and with a smile. Global Passport Express, your passport and visa experts. Get ready to explore the world. Welcome to the Taking the Land Podcast. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6 if we can. Believe God to help us. Galatians chapter 6. New catchphrase, influencer. Influencers. All the rage. But like many things, there are more people who want to be influential than people who are good at it. I read about a popular gaming influencer who went on live stream to showcase his skill in a certain video game. But as he faced defeat after defeat after defeat, apparently his frustration grew, leading to an unhinged rage session. Another fitness influencer who preached about right eating and healthy lifestyle accidentally initiated a live stream while binging on junk food. His viewers were shocked to see him wolfing down huge amounts of pizza, chips, and soda. And then another social justice influencer She accidentally started a live stream right as she went on a cussing, insulting rant about a certain people group, which wasn't exactly brimming with inclusivity and respect. Thankfully, the Word of God shows us that even imperfect believers determined to fulfill destiny can make enormous impact. And I want to minister to that this morning, a sermon I've called Eternal Influence. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9, very familiar portion of scripture. Apostle Paul says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Corruption. 
But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Eternal influence. I'm going to look first of all at a moral universe. Our text describes one of the immutable laws of creation. And this would be the law that we know as sowing and reaping. And verse 7 says, Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And the literal application of this, and more familiar to these people than us perhaps, was this is about a farmer and his crop. Somebody said, only a fool would plant beans and pray for corn. It's very practical wisdom. They understood this in that generation. And the simple formula that God put into creation, be it plants, animals, and even human beings, is God said in Genesis, the seed is in itself. And there's immutable laws. You are going to reap what you sow. You are going to more often than not reap more than you sow, and you're going to reap in time. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, everything has its season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to plant, and a time to harvest. Now the Word of God then takes this terminology and imports it into human behavior as an illustration. And the the Bible says very clearly, obedience and righteousness, disobedience and sin is like a seed that's being planted and you will reap what you sow. This is what's being addressed in our text. And if you take a look at this in the big picture, Galatians chapter 5 is speaking of The way people live their lives. He talks about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And this is the same word picture, that our deeds and our actions are like seeds sown. And one translation of our text says, don't be misled, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Somebody else said, only a fool spends the week sinning, then goes to church and prays for crop failure. But this is human nature. The Bible says that you can be deceived. There can be a deception that seizes hold of your heart says in verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. To ignore this principle will first result in serious deception. And then secondly, it is viewed as an attempt to mock God. That word mock means to snort or to make mouths at. You know, I... I just remember the cynical New York attitudes, mocking. Whatever. Yeah. That's what it's saying. He's saying that, that people, 
They deceived. <laughs> judgment? <laughs> Come on. Judgment. Right. Well, how many of you know sometimes God judges right away and sometimes he doesn't? And when he does, from this side of the, of the column, it's refreshing. You know, it wasn't, wouldn't have been refreshing on, on the, you know, before I got saved. How many of you read December 12th, a member of the Turkish parliament delivered an anti-Israel rant on the floor of their assembly and held a sign that talked about Israeli murders arrogantly concluded his speech by saying, they will not escape the wrath of Allah, immediately collapsed at the podium and died. His heart stopped. They took him to the hospital. They kept the heart beating by machine for two days. He finally perished. We call that poetic justice. But many times it doesn't happen right away. And the Bible says this creates a tendency for people to become deceived. And Ecclesiastes 8.11, because God does not punish sinners instantly, people feel it is safe to do wrong. And our text, again, says that when you ignore this principle or you make mouths at this principle, that you are really is an attempt to mock God. And his divine justice in his moral universe. And the idea that can seize even good people is that it doesn't pay to serve God. Or you can succeed without serving God. And so they, they make mouths. Yeah, look, you know, look at the influencers. Look at the celebrities. Look at the people that are rich. But the Bible warns that God is not mocked. God will judge sin and God will reward righteousness because we live in a moral universe. I'm going to look secondly then at a tale of two celebrities. Very interesting con contrast in these two lives. Verse 8 makes a promise. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. The first person I want to look at, look at is, is a man named Sixto Rodriguez. 1970 to 1971, this 28-year-old folk singer made two albums. And he was identified as simply... Rodriguez. And though, in retrospect, people that study this guy's music, they, they actually say he's, he's actually on par with Bob Dylan in many ways, in his content and his, his, uh, his, his ability. But in the United States, back in the day, he only sold six albums before his record company failed. That's bad luck right there. And by 1976, Rodriguez hung it up. He bought a rundown house in Detroit for 50 bucks at an auction, became a laborer working menial jobs, lived a life of poverty, rife with drugs and alcohol and a sense of failure. What he didn't know 
Meanwhile, on the other side of the planet, in Cape Town, South Africa, somehow his records took off. That was a long time ago. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have the communication structure. South Africa was in the midst of their apartheid revolution. This was while the U.S. hippies were having their, uh, their revolution. But this apartheid revolution that was going on in South Africa was fueled by a mystery musician named Rodriguez. And I, I was listening to an interview of one of the men that was a young man at those times. He said he was the soundtrack of our lives. He said everybody had his records. They nicknamed him Sugar Man because one of his songs about a drug dealer referred to the drug dealer as the Sugar Man. So he was wildly popular. They knew nothing about him. He was a legend in South Africa. He eventually went platinum in his sales, meaning he sold millions of records. One record industry man said it's impossible to calculate how many albums were sold in South Africa. But out of nowhere, apparently in South Africa, it was rumored that Rodriguez committed suicide on stage. This was what they were told in their newspaper, that this man either set himself on fire or shot himself during a concert, and nobody really knew what happened. So fast forward, in the late 90s, two men that were fans of his decided, we want to find out what happened to Rodriguez. They opened a website called The Great Rodriguez Hunt. In the meantime, Sixto Rodriguez had gotten married, had some children, and one of his daughters saw the website, responded to the website, reached out to them and said, he's, he didn't commit suicide. We don't know how you heard that. He's alive. These men got Sixto Rodriguez's phone number, called him and said, you must come to South Africa. He said, here you are more popular than Elvis. <laughs> Seriously, they said, you are bigger here than the Rolling Stones. And so they talked him into it. He got on an airplane, flew to South Africa. He's now 55 years old. He's absolutely a rock star. <laughs> he is a legend. He packed it out everywhere in South Africa. He performed to Woodstock-sized crowds. And what did he do after that? He got on an airplane went back to Detroit to the same job and the same life. Eventually, some Swedish filmmakers got a hold of his story, made a documentary called Searching for Sugar Man, and actually won an Academy Award. <laughs> and so what happened to old Sixto? He landed a few gigs at some folk festivals, he had a few guest appearances on the late night talk shows, but he never received royalties for any of his music until one year before he died at age 81. And that's some paraphernalia from his funeral.
No evidence that he ever professed faith in Christ. That's sad. That's sad. Sugar Man Rodriguez. That's a symbol of how the world will use a person. Chew you up, spit you out, and then forget you. It's a picture of sowing to the flesh. It's a picture of reaping corruption and ending up lost for eternity. I want to introduce you to another man, and many of you are familiar with this story. This was a powerful illustration in in our spiritual youth. 1910. Hi, I'm Mike Ashcraft, pastor currently in Van Nuys, California. You could go to just any financial professional, but not every financial professional understands the idiosyncrasies of fellowship pastors and church members. We don't need cookie-cutter solutions. We need solutions for pioneers and for laborers who put God first. How can you get your money to make money for you so you don't have to work so much and so that you have more time for ministry? And how can you take care of your family in the event of a tragedy? Call me today. The consultation is no charge. I'm at 310-403-6471. That's 310-403-6471. 22-year-old man named Watkin Roberts got saved in the famed Welsh revival. He believed God had called him, and and these are actually pictures from the movie Beyond the Next Mountain, which tells this man's story. He believed God called him to India to preach to the Mar tribe. The Mar tribe at that time was known as the worst headhunters on earth. 22 years old, sat before the mission board. They denied him, so he went anyway, as you do. That's him with his donkey. Going into India to reach the most notorious headhunters on the planet. He arrived, and he found them, next picture, and they tried to terrify him. This was his arrival, and they set fires and put beheaded pig heads everywhere, and they were just trying to freak him out. So he starts to preach, and he quickly was forced to leave. I mean, maybe a week, very short time. He was not there very long. But he actually had some converts. Upper left corner, that's Chonga. He's 15 years old. This is now Watkin Roberts had to leave, and and Chonga was one of the handful of converts. This handful of converts began to evangelize their tribe, and eventually, history says, the gospel spread and the entire tribe was converted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Top right picture is Chonga, now the pastor of this tribe and the leader of their movement. They had no copy of the Bible in their language. So the bottom picture, 1934, Chonga, now an older man with his son, Rochanga. That's a 10-year-old boy. Rochanga 
is being told by his father. He's pointing to the outside world. He's telling his 10-year-old son that he needs to go on a mission. Now, Rochunga remembered hearing about this white missionary. He was told all his life about this missionary who they only knew as Mr. Young Man. His dad got saved, told him about Mr. Young Man. So Rochunga grew up and he said, I always thought about Mr. Young Man. He said, when we have church, I think of Mr. Young Man. Imagine that. Here's a movement that's been started. An entire tribe is converted. The next generation hearing about the sacrifice of a 22-year-old man. He said, I wonder why he left us, why he never returned to our hills. But the father now is appointing his son a mission. He's telling his son he needs to walk through the jungle with the tigers and the pythons and the elephants, 96 miles. He's pointing. See, there's over there, there's another mountain, and then there's another mountain. Way over there. (laughs) Really far, too. Okay? 96 miles. Right? And this is his mission. This is all he's being asked to do. You need to get an education. You need to develop our language into writing. You need to translate the New Testament into our language and get it printed. That's your only job. That's all I'm asking you to do. (laughs) And he did it. He left. Fast forward 1956. He's in the middle of translating the New Testament into the Mar language. He gets a break. He decides, I want to find Mr. Young Man. He gets an address in Canada, takes a train, and went to see him, and he found him. This Rochanga on the left, that's Mr. Young Man. That's Watkin Roberts now, 70 years old. I want you to get, 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 get your head around this. After 46 years, Roberts learned the fruit of his obedience. And it was more than I told you. The entire tribe was transformed, and there was now over a hundred churches that they had planted. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this man? He is absolutely stunned. And now he is meeting the son of his convert. He remembers these these converts, and Rochanga said they are all leaders and elders in our fellowship now. And he named them, and, 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 and they were going down memory lane. And then he, he tells Mr. Youngman that I am translating the New Testament into our language. Can you imagine? Because Watkin Roberts was stunned. He had never backslid. He had served God in various places, but he admitted he had been very discouraged. And he had actually went back to being a chemist. And in 1960, the task was finished. The New Testament was printed and shipped to the Mar tribe. And this is a picture of Chonga on the mountain where he had pointed his son. This is where he would pray every day, holding the Bible up before God in victory. 
all these years later. Not only did Rochanga get that task done, but he opened a, an organization called Bibles for the World. And they first started by mailing a Bible to every major city in India and everybody in the phone book. And then from there to the nations of the world. The Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Because in the kingdom of God, you don't get chewed up and spit out. You don't get forgotten and kicked to the curb. The Bible says you shall reap. So I'm going to close then with choosing your own future. I was thinking about these two stories. The world may be searching for sugar man. But the kingdom of God is searching for believers who will simply seize the opportunity. God is saying, who will go for us? Who will go for us and believe that your life can count? That your life can count in the kingdom of God? And you know who God is especially looking for? He's still searching for Mr. Young Men. God uses us older saints. But I want to tell you that the greatest opportunities always belong to Mr. and Mrs. Young Men. It's amazing that we choose our own future. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. Verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Weary. That means to be weak. It means to fail. It means to faint. It means everything Pastor Foley preached on. That is a very common experience and a common strategy of hell. But the Bible's saying here, you need to keep your faith, Mr. Young Man. I'm 65, so anyone younger than me is Mr. Young Man. <laughs> Anybody my age is middle age. If you're older than me, then you're just getting, getting a little older, that's all. Seasoned saints. Don't grow weary, middle-aged saint. Don't grow weary in the twilight years, because the Bible says in due time. That, that's a fascinating word phrase in the New Testament. If you look that up every time it's used, it, it literally means... The kairos of God. I remember Pastor Mitchell preaching on this. But literally it means not only God's time, but just the right time. The Bible says that in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Have you ever wondered, why did God wait thousands of years to send the Messiah? We heard the promise in the garden. Well, because that was the exact perfect time. In God's wisdom, he knew the perfect time. In due time, at exactly the right moment, the most beneficial, the most productive, profitable moment in human history, God became a man and died on the cross. He even set up a system in the Old Testament that people by faith could be forgiven on credit for the blood of Jesus. If you study the sacrifices, they were a foreshadowing and represented the blood of Jesus Christ. And these people by faith was, were able to benefit from that. But whatever, in God's economy, 
at the exact right moment in human history, the most beneficial, profitable, wise moment. That's the same phrase he's saying here about your reward in due time. At exactly the right time. At the most beneficial, the most profitable, advantageous moment. You will reap. So don't give up. Do not grow weary. Some people would ask, well, what about me? I've wasted so much time. There's an old saying, the best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago. The second best time is today. Use what's left. Because you don't need forever. And the, and the moral of, of Watkin Roberts is not just put, it a, put in a week on the mission field and call it a day. It's not the takeaway. Because there's no guarantee when. But there is a guarantee that it will. And the, and the admonition here is, is don't give up. Don't stop. Don't grow weary because you will reap at the right time, at the right moment, in the most advantageous way, and you don't need forever. You know, the movie Beyond the Next Mountain, Rochanga sitting across from aged Mr. Young Man. We can see that again. Roberts, again, is coming to terms with what God did and how much time he's wasted. Because he, he pretty much threw in the towel. He didn't backslide, but he threw in the towel. Quiet quitting, I think they call it. And he asked, how can I help? And Rochanga said, our debt to you is so great already. And Roberts realizing that there's only a short time left to participate, he said, please, You must allow me to help. And I have no doubt that he did. It reminded me of what Pastor Mitchell used to say. You know, I've preached and we're aware that Pastor Mitchell has always wanted to be a missionary. But God had a plan for him right here in Prescott. Can you say amen? And I remember reading, even in the early book, even in the earliest books of our fellowship, my first question when I see a need is, God, can I go? And if the answer is no, my second question is, how can I help? That's a winning formula right there, man. Hallelujah. Because everybody at this conference can participate in this. And I believe stories like Watkin Roberts, Beyond the Next Mountain, are, are designed for us to get our, get our mind out of out of, the, out of the, 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 the myopic view of the right now and say, you know what? If you will live your life to the Spirit and to obedience and to sowing seeds and not give up, oh, eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has it even entered into your heart what God has for those that love him. Every person here, there's, there's young couples here, God is, is urging you for the nations of the world, don't miss it. Don't miss it. 
There's, there's couples called to, to pioneer in the U.S. Don't miss it. There's older saints that perhaps you're not rocking out in the music scene anymore. That's okay. We all kind of appreciate that. People ask me, pay, Pastor Payne, why don't you play anymore in the music scene? I say, I'm embarrassed for my generation. I, the strolling bones, man. Are you kidding? Aerosmith. I used to listen to them in eighth grade. It's embarrassing. I don't want to be that guy. I just don't want to be that guy. So there's chapters, isn't there? Can you say amen? There's, 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 you, make, you pivot a little bit. But don't give up. Don't give up. Because you shall reap if you faint not. The lesson is we can all have eternal influence. We're all called to have eternal influence. And we all have a mighty, mighty reward in heaven. If we can take counsel from this text, God is not mocked. God is a rewarder. And it always, always, always pays to serve God.